The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Uh-oh, Kev's in trouble. What's that song? Something, something, double. Oh, I can't remember the song. There's my bubble. That's the one. <laughs> Not double. Uh, why are you in trouble, Kev? Uh, well, it's a relatively long story, but I'll keep it very short. Settle in, everybody. Do we need relatively long story music? <laughs> <laughs> What's that one he used to do, the love uh, on uh, Radio 2, my story, my sad story? No, you mean our tune on Radio 1 years ago. Yeah, do it our tune, that's about it. No, that's copyright. You should do the theme from um, uh, the the horse racing, in my case. Oh, really? I don't know what we have. I mean, I've I've only really got a sort of um, faux Stranger Things thing, which is this one. But, I mean, it's not really a spooky story, is it? It's it's a you're in trouble story. That does sound a little bit like horses who's running over my head. Does it? Okay, well, I'll keep it there then. Why are you in trouble, Kev? So, well, uh, Rose is well into her horses. Oh, she and is, so yeah. is Gemma. Yeah. And Gemma's always, yeah. when she was young, she always had ponies and stuff. And I, we currently, um, grand, Grandmama uh, rents Rosa a horse, yeah. which is very kind of her. And uh, the horse is called Casper, and he's very lovely, and he lives in a stable. Is he Casper the ghost? Or bring on the ghostly music. (laughs) Casper. (laughs) Casper the horsey. Um, So what's been been happening is that um, they are desperate to get their own horse, Gemma and Rosa. Oh, this sounds like an angling story. Which means land and stable fees and vets and one of those things that you travel around with on the back of your car that says horse horse on the box back. horse box yeah all of these things oh, and God, um Kev. yeah so I, i've been pushing back on it quite substantially <laughs> because it's cost quite a yeah bit. you know there's a pandemic on Gemma. for heaven's sakes <laughs> you can't be buying horses so i'm i'm i was public enemy number one in the house you, i bet you were. yeah you know i'm like we've got guinea pigs we've got two dogs we've got Albie, Albie costs us a fortune. <laughs> Where are we going to get the money for that blinking horse and the horse's hay and, and yeah. everything else and the hooves and, the, yeah. you know, the, the, those metal things they stick on their feet and those things they stick in their mouths <laughs> oh, and word. all that stuff. Oh. So um, there was tears at bedtime. Oh, um, oh there's not a nice ending to this story then? Yeah, well, it's kind of nice because in the end yeah. I, I kind of thought, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm I'm not very nice about this. I was wrong. I was very wrong. So this is a, this is a public note of affection and apology to <laughs> so have you now got a horse kev and a horse box and everything not quite it's coming it's oh, coming dear. i think it's coming uh so yeah and we're all we're, we're all very excited now i bet you um, are well i mean if it all i go- can't wait for getting up at six o'clock every morning yeah. before school and traipsing <laughs> over there and breaking well, the ice on the, the water that and, won't be you, you know. that, that'll be them doing that won't it uh, that's not going to be you or will it? Well, I, I want to get involved in that. But, you know, actually, the thing that excites me the most about it, I've just yeah. been thinking about this, yeah. is, is pictures, taking pictures. I finally oh, have something that I can take pictures of, which isn't going to say to me, don't take a picture of me. <laughs> That's true. And well, I'll give it a couple of months, and if it all goes wrong, you can turn it into glue. The Fujicast. <laughs> Nay. I did not say that. We Have we, have we got a, hang on, have we got a whole sound effect? Let's, um, oh, no, we, I'm afraid we haven't, no. Might have to get one though if it's going to be a constant feature of this show now and your photography. Yeah, we should have a competition and see what it's going to be called. Yeah, what a good idea. Although I'm, I'm sure really that um, I'm sure Rosa and Gemma would rather choose the name than because it'll end up being called something like 35 millimeters or something. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's, it's going to end up having a photographic name that's got nothing to do with the emotion of having this beautiful horse. I think we should just call it bloody expensive. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I'll drink to that. <laughs> right. Um, well, welcome to the Fuji Cast. You and your questions about horses this week from our electronic mailbag, and of course, also through the Fuji Cast private Facebook group that you're very welcome to become a part of, or you can send it the old-fashioned way. Uh, by mail to click at fujicast.co.uk If you are not a Fujifilm shooter, don't worry, it's a big community, whatever flavour you shoot, you can talk about anything here, including how to uh, stable your horse. And, um, and of course, after today's show, some of the subjects get picked up in the uh, private Facebook group, so uh, you can trot along there. I'm trying my best here, Kev. You can trot along there and uh, and <laughs> leave a couple of questions. And today uh, we've got a very special guest on the show. It will be Andreas Georgiadis for Ask Andreas. Yes, because there has been a whole load of announcements this week from yeah. the Good Ship Fujifilm. Yeah. Stuff. Are you stuff. saying no more? That was like a tease, wasn't it? There's well, been no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's out now, isn't it? So, but yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was. 27 mil. That's the thing I've got. I've got the new 27 mil You've on got the it, camera. Right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, did uh, are you are you going to do some sort of YouTube film on that? You will do, won't you? Uh, potentially, there's not a lot for me to photograph at the moment. Apart, well, I suppose <laughs> well, I could will start be. photographing yeah. bloody expensive soon. <laughs> yeah, bloody expensive. Now, normally we have a bleeper on that, but I think you're just going to have to accept that bloody expensive is is going to be the name of the horse, and <laughs> I can't be bleeping that out all the time. No. Um, but uh, if it was called fucking expensive, then yeah, we'll be <laughs> we'd be on the bleep machine all the time. <laughs> Right. Um, who wants to start with the questions this week, Kev? Uh, you go first. Okay. I've got a couple of quick farers here. Um, go. Let's, uh, there's a comment and a question. Comment here from Nick Osborne. Um, Thanks as ever for the smashing content and good chaff, which is the Dickensian word for banter. I actually thought that meant something else, but let's move on. Quick query about Adobe Lightroom and specifically lens corrections. For some reason, when I've imported Fuji files into my... Uh, Lightroom on my Mac re- iMac recently, the lens correction panel's not identifying the correct Fuji X lens, or indeed any lens. If I try to search through that, this was supposed to be a quick fire comment. I've, I've picked up the question instead. It's all right, we'll go with it. If I try to search through the manual tab, some lenses appear, but the list is incomplete. All this means can't actually enable profile corrections at present, despite Lightroom knowing exactly which lens I've used. <sighs> I've contacted Adobe support. And apparently this is a known bug, so he's now contacting Kevin's support. Well, Adobe support are wrong. Are they? 100% wrong. Wrong, 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 mm. wrong. Mm. There you go. Oh, have you got- oh, do you want some more information? <laughs> yeah, I'd like the answer, really. <laughs> it's not a bug, because the uh, all of the Fujifilm lenses, with the exception of the X100 lens... Uh, have the uh, uh, calibration built in, have the lens correction built into the lens. And so it's not recognized in a Lightroom because it's done automatically. Don't need to do it. Do not need to do it. Uh, The only one you'll see in there, I think, from memory, is the the lens for the X100. But even that, I think, was only up to the X100S. F and V, I don't think, need it. So, yeah, don't don't worry about it. Just ignore that bit on your Lightroom, ignore right. it, and never speak to that person at Adobe Support again. <laughs> they're, they're very nice people there. Nick says, P.S., I can only apologise for having such a horribly dull British name. Next time I contact you, I might have to invent an exotic-sounding pseudonym uh, to make me sound uh, more interesting. <laughs> oh, Nick, it's fine. There was. Uh, shall I do the quick question as well? Chris, uh, Chris, go, go. Christoph Modot. 
Um, hello, quick question regarding video and how to record sound for video. I've got a, an LSP4 from Olympus and uh, a lavalier microphone to control noise around me. So I record in mono. Should I be using something else to record in stereo? Uh, so it'll be more noticeable for YouTube videos. Well, the very simple answer to that is we actually speak in mono. So, uh, no, you don't need to worry about that at all. Um, I, I don't speak in stereo. Do you speak in stereo, Kev? Are you more on one side than the other side? See if I, I, speak, I speak the same as you. I speak the same as you. Mono. Mono, mono. Mono, mono. And actually, if you're putting it on a timeline um, such as Adobe Premiere, um, Premiere. I keep getting told I'm saying this wrong for our, our, our stateside audience and Canadian audience and, and Australian audience who say Premiere differently, apparently. Um, but if you're using it in something like that, it'll sort out your mono and your stereo tracks anyway. So don't worry about it. Be happy in mono. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yours, Kev. Uh, okay, so I am digging into the Facebook group, the, the thread, questions for the show thread, which is right. we're coming to the end of it now. So keep All going, right. keep going, keep going, people. I have a quick one. This isn't a question, actually. This is from Alex Fredrickson right. in, in uh, snowy Austria. Uh, and actually, she, this is quite interesting. And I think she's, she's onto something here. She says, an interview idea for you, Kevin. Right. How about interviewing Neil? Uh, she means you. Nobody wants I to listen to the that. show every week and to the photography daily every day. Yeah. And I've got to know the stories and work of many photographers. However, through Phil Payne, through, uh, however, through Phil Payne, now we know Phil, don't we? Because yeah, Phil is yeah. the, Phil is the man who, who, who stole that microphone um, all those years ago wow. when he was in America and then gave it to you. Yeah, I've got it here. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Phil, of course, has got an Emmy or a Grammy yeah. or something yeah. for his film making. Uh, anyway, she goes on to say, through Phil, I've discovered that there is so much more to Neil than we know, and I'm uh, sure he'd make a brilliant guest. Here's, here's the microphone, by the way. Um, it's an RE15 that was, was stolen from... Uh, it's been used on things like aircraft carriers. I think this one goes back to NARM days. You can literally smack a nail in with it. It's that tough. And, uh, uh, and yeah, I've got that. I'm the very proud owner of that. I'll just pop it back in there next to the 35mm that I got from someone. <laughs> so so there you go, folks. If you if you want me to interview Neil, and I, I've actually said this to him before, and he's always been very, uh, very kind of quiet about it. So if you want me to interview Neil, put the uh, thumbs up in the Facebook group, <laughs> or send us an email, or a carrier pigeon, or whatever, and, uh, and we shall do it. Carrier pigeon. I've got some great questions to ask you. Have Brilliant you? ones. Right, yeah. Okay. Remember that time we went out in London? <laughs> I, 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 do you know, it's always a bit fuzzy when we go out in London for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's one. So, uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great idea, Alex. Yeah, well done. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, moving on swiftly, Nick White. Um, this was a comment. Have you seen the new documentary featuring ex-White House photographer Pete Souza on Amazon Prime called The Way I See It? Uh, my wife and I were fortunate enough to have seen Pete talk a couple of times at uh, the photography show. Oh, that would have been terrific. He is an amazing guy and wonderful photographer. He was very generous with his time. Talked to us for a bit and very kindly personalised the, the signing of his latest Obama book to Catherine uh, and also signed an RPS magazine article for me. We both felt incredibly lucky to have met Pete and hear his behind-the-scenes stories, etc. Brilliant documentary. Have you seen that? I, I've not seen that. I know of it. I, I haven't actually. No, I will. I will watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't watched it. Nick, Nick White from Brazil. Um, that's that's one to watch. I tell you what, what a great opportunity. Can you imagine being being told that? You know, mm. Pete, did you fancy following round um, President Obama for the I don't know for the for the next four years or so? Yep. Where do I sign? 
God, that I mean, that's incredible opportunity. Uh, can you imagine? Um, I don't know whether do you just get signed a, pre- a, pre- a president? Did, did, I'm sure Trump had one. He probably had many. Um, but that would be interesting probably to see the pictures of that. No. I mean, they, no, nobody lasts more than a few minutes in that office, did, didn't they? <laughs> don't be rude. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got it. I'm, I'm sorry, Donald. I don't know where you are now. Don't be rude. Well, there we go. Just, just for old time's sake. Now I'll delete it. Donald who? That's showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is it your turn for a question? Is it? Yeah, I have got one. Um, it's quite a long one. So this is from Jeff Petri. And he says, uh, I've been a photographer for years. And he writes years in capital letters. So yeah. it must be a very long time. Yeah, yeah. But there's one thing that I continually struggle with, and that is culling my images. For example, I went for an eight-hour drive in the country, stopping to photograph all kinds of various things. When I got home, I loaded the images into Capture One and started the review process. But all the images looked like lumps of clay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know, I know that there's a lot, a lot there, but each image needs some kind of tweaking or massaging, increasing, decreasing exposure, brightness, etc., etc., before I can judge the image as I need to see its potential. If I've shot a few hundred images, this can take a good long while as I compare similar shots and decide between keepers and rejects. It might take me a few days to play through the culling and outgoing. I don't spray and pray when I photograph. I'm very deliberate and work the scene, varying my composition, exposure, aperture, lens, focal length, angles, height, shutter speed, etc. Um, because of the dynamic range, many images need the shadows opened or highlights managed. I might need to adjust the keystone before I can tell if a crop works. I often need to do these things before I can see the image. Meanwhile, I've gone out again for a few times, shooting and capturing more images, falling behind on the previous photos. Thoughts, suggestions, how do you make it through your culling? Not to mention post-processing. Well, I guess there's a certain amount of experience involved in this, isn't there? And I'm I'm being cautious here because I don't know how much experience you have. Did you say how much experience? I don't don't think you did. um, Years. Years. Well, I mean, that's enough experience. But I, I don't know. I, I don't feel I need to look at, unfortunately, I, I don't think I need to look at an image in, in this sort of detailed manner before I decide whether it's uh, it's going to be one for, for the chop or not. I think surely you just go by what you see in your image, whether it's, I mean, if it's a wedding image, it might be something that's emotionally charged, uh, that there's good composition. I, I don't think I've ever thought, I wonder what that's going to look like in the shadow and highlights. I, d- I don't believe that's the right way to cull. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think that the images are, are subjective, but I, I would say to every single person, don't do your culling in your editing software. Just don't, don't, don't take all of your images into um, Capture One in, in Jeff's case. Oh, heavens no, no. Do your culling beforehand, whether that's in Photo Mechanic or yep. in ACDC or in uh, Adobe Bridge or, you know, there's various other free uh, culling type pieces of software out there. But do it off the preview so you can just look at the images, you can look at the embedded preview that will, will come up in, in something like Photo Mechanic much, much quicker than taking them into the, into the editing software. Yeah, yeah. And also, then you don't ha- you're not cluttering up your catalogs with with all of the images that you decided not to keep. Mm. And so oh, no, that's that that's my suggestion. And we talked about photo mechanic millions of times. Uh, no, you're taking away the temptation as well, aren't you? To start thinking, well, okay, I like this one. Let me just tweak a little bit on it first, see if I like it more, because that could take forever. As is, he's correctly identified. I think photo mechanic is just a brilliant tool and so quick as well. I mean, I I have it loaded up on the laptop that I take to events, and I never believe in any dead time, uh, particularly at a wedding. So, you know, for that for that two, sometimes two and a half hours before they get to speeches, I use that as a perfect time to cull. 
um, through, through Photomechanic, and I, I've done, you know, two-thirds of the job uh, by, the, by the time I get home that night. And I think, you know, and you just whisk through, does that look right? Is the emotion right in that one? Are their eyes closed in that one? Is, is the movement wrong in that one? Is rule of thirds, or however you like to... To, to compose your images, does it work for that, but not for and and just um, and, and the great thing about photo mechanic as well is it's it's not destructive. I mean, when, when you choose to keep something, that's a much better way than when you choose to choose to let something go, isn't it? So you're just choosing to keep, 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 aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And and it's different you know, different styles of photography and stuff. In in terms of you know, if you're a fine art photographer or something, you can still and you need to know the the details and the shadows and stuff you can still use something like photo mechanic you can use the histogram to to kind of get a good idea of, of what's in there uh, and you can do some basic kind of adjustments as well in terms of cropping all of that stuff you can do in photo mechanic too but yeah that that's i think that's we're both kind of sold yeah. on on not taking all of the images into the editing software that just yeah. slows everything down yeah. Adam Belcher has uh, written in. Adam B. Hello, both. Really enjoying the episodes. It's great for my mental health to hear your thoughts and reflections upon life. We should start charging then. That's a new business for us. Uh, Kevin Neal's counselling service. <laughs> what about that? Yeah. You could do that in your new studio. Have you got a spare room yeah, that we could do that in? Yeah. Because it's yeah, a huge, it's huge, huge expanse of space now that you've got, isn't it? Well, I haven't got it yet, but I will have well, it. You're yes, you're huge. Practiced. Haven't you signed for it now, though? Isn't it yours? Uh, well, the legal stuff's been done. It's, it's going then. through. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, well, put it this way. The, the solicitors have had some money off me, <laughs> as always. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know that coffee shop that we, we used to go to? Um, mm. I think that's, by the way, that I, I just throw this one in while we're all getting buildings and stuff. I, I'm not sure, but I think it's gone. I think the owners have decided, oh, can't be doing with this, and that sadly they've gone but but all the kit and everything is still in there would, mm. would you like to have you know that that idea we had for a coffee shop black and white yeah with the, the pictures on the wall and stuff all black and whites and stuff what do you think i think Kev? we should call it something else i've decided we should call it mocker and monochrome that's good i like that just as much mm. there we go mocker and monochrome yeah i mean nobody else unless, unless they're into photography they'll think why is it called mo mocker and monochrome oh, i get the mocker bit but monochrome oh, i don't get that at all Let, let's go to costa <laughs> well, no, that, that's the dream, though, isn't it? A coffee shop, like a a, yeah. a a coffee shop that actually earns money, and you can use it as a base for art as well. Well, there was a guy last, uh, not last year, I forget, I didn't work last year, a um, couple of years ago um, at a wedding, who had um, a, a, what do they call it? Tuk tuks. Um, so he had, uh, he's got a, like a, a, a small fleet, I think, of tuk tuks. Adam, we will get to your question in a second. Uh, and um, he just has uh, it's an expensive coffee uh, thing on the back of the tuk-tuk and he takes it to weddings and um, and they're always at sort of expensive marquee type weddings and he just sticks the coffee tuk-tuk and this particular wedding I think there were two there, there was because uh, it was quite a large wedding and um, I was speaking to him about it he says the best business I've ever had I think he used to work in the city and he said I, I just couldn't do it anymore and somebody offered me a tuk-tuk and I took it to a festival, and it went so well, I've just built a business out of it. He's, mm. He goes home, and he's done. We go home, we've got thousands of hours of editing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so coffee shop, nice idea. Um, anyway, so uh, where were we? Oh, yes, hello both. Really enjoying the episodes, blah, blah, blah. My questions are, Kev, will you do an X100 review on F16 uh, at some point, please? I'm really considering selling my X-T3 and 35F2. I've always been a one-camera, one-lens sort of guy. 
and I had, had all sorts of previous X100s from the first version. I'm missing it. I'd like to know your thoughts on the new X100V Mark II lens and how it compares to the other 23mm offerings. Well, of course, the X-T3 and 35 F2, by the way, totally different focal lengths. So I'm not quite sure why you'd, why those two have been... I mean, if it, if it was an X-T3 with a 23, that would make more sense, of course, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, to, to answer the question about the X-100V review, um, it, it possibly, probably won't be a review when I finally get round to it. Probably be more like a how I set up my X-100V and yeah. what I like about it. Yeah. And the reason for that is because I, I didn't get... When I do reviews for cameras... I like it. I, it has the most impact and the most interest to people when the camera is launched. Uh, and of course, I didn't get my X100V until way after it was launched. And and there's a load of there's a load of videos and reviews and all that kind of stuff by the by the people who test the cameras beforehand. They're they're usually done on the uh, the day of announcement and stuff. So it, it, it's a big old job to to do a proper review video. Big old job, like yeah. a week. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I feel kind of like, well, I can't really bring anything to the show now. It's all out there. Everything's out there. You know, I can tell you what I think of it. So I will do something about the X100V, but it will definitely be more along the lines of how I set it up and, and, you know, why I like it. And here's some pictures. Um, yeah. Um, I, know, I know what you mean about the review things, but there is another way to look at this because I made, um, an X pro, uh, I, I fully intended to get hold of an X pro three. So I made an X Pro three film, and um, and and it was it was a kind of a, a here's sort of an introduction to this camera, blah 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 blah. And then I, I intended to make a, a proper sort of full report on it, and then I didn't end up getting the X Pro three, sadly. Um, but um, I, and somebody wrote to me recently said you never did your X Pro three follow up, and I wrote back and gave them the reasons, and they said, well, you know, it's just as interesting to know. Um, after a while, for, I mean, obviously it doesn't apply to this this case because I didn't end up getting one. But had I got one, it's quite interesting, I think, to hear um, a year on uh, photographers that have been using it, not just for the review, but to actually hear the real use for a year. And I, I think, because cameras are often, you know, people, I still know people that buy an X-T2, etc., an X-Pro2, and, and look at me with my X-Pro1. It's quite interesting to know how people get get on with it a year later or two years later, perhaps. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and that's that's kind of what I'm on about. It's not, it, but it, it wouldn't be a review. You know, a review uh, to, in my mind, a review of a camera is these are the new features. This is why it's different to the previous one. You know, these yeah. this is this is a picture of it. This is a nice scrolly video footage. This is some footage of me making a cup of coffee beforehand. Uh, <laughs> this is me on a on, on a motorbike in the countryside with a drone filming it you know you, you've got to, to do a good youtube video review uh, you've got to insert a whole load of irrelevant b-roll yeah shit. you've <laughs> that's got to be done first and foremost and yeah. that's what's going to get you your hits you forgot you need the one wheel you need to do a one, one wheel, wheel bit yeah that's right yeah i need to grow a beard and get yeah. a check shirt and have <laughs> loads of close-ups of me looking through the camera yeah uh, i think i know who you're talking about i think he does them well though i like i like them they're all like that yeah um there was a second part even the, the females are like that they grow a beard that's it you know <laughs> there's a second part of the question um this is for well that was kev's one this is my one i'm really interested in how you adapt vintage lenses neil would you consider doing a discussion on how you go about doing this what to look out for and what you need well to be fair 
I didn't really look out for a, lo- a load of vintage um, adap- adapters for my, my vintage, my one single vintage lens that I use, although I am looking for a, a, a wider one now. And I'm seriously thinking about uh, getting a second X-Pro one body so I've got a wide and, and my effective 50mm length um, on it. Um, so I, I think the adapter was... I think the adapter was sent to me with the with the lens, so I'm not quite sure what to suggest. But there are lots of different adapters, aren't there, Kev? That you can yeah. You the, can the, buy. the main go to manufacturer for adapters, I think, is Miticon. Um, yeah. You can usually find something on Miticon. I don't, I don't know where mine. Oh, it's up in the house. Um, I think but that, yeah, there's there's lots of them. One. You do need an adapter, of course, yeah, um, yeah. to to fit it uh, because they they won't these these legacy lenses won't be X mount. So anything, no, no. whatever the mount of your 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 legacy lens is, you need a one of them to X mount adapter. Um, and you you can stack adapters as well sometimes. So if you can't quite find a uh, let's say it's a Miticon, uh, not Miticon. Let's just say it's a I don't know a. a Tell me, tell me an old, old a manufacturer of an old lens. Quick, come on, on the spot. Uh, Practica. Uh, Practica. Let's go with that. Yep. So let's just say you can't find a Practica to X mount uh, lens mount. You perhaps could find a Practica to Canon, um, whatever their mount is called, M mount or something. And then maybe you can find an M mount to X mount and stack them. You're going to lose out on the um, resolution a little bit and, yeah. and quality, yeah. but you can do it. You can stack yeah, you it. You wouldn't really want to do that too much, though, would you? I mean, I've, I've just no, got no, the no. one adapter between that and my uh, my Yashica lens. Yashica. Yashica. Yeah. And funny enough, we were. I was just uh, posted on the Facebook group just before we went uh, to record about. Um, Cambrian Photos up in North Wales. She's she uh, Sarah there has got a absolute Aladdin's. Have you ever you, have you never been up there? I've never been there. You've talked about it many times, and and um, yeah, I'd love to go. Wonderful, a wonderful place, um, full of uh, of old stuff, uh, loads of it. And so if you are you know if you're interested in looking for uh, pratique lenses or legacy lenses of any sort, take a take a look at her website and other places. Of yeah. course, there's loads of them. eBay is a great place for stuff. And the great thing actually about buying. Uh, vintage lenses is um is they're not very expensive um mm. anywhere between sort of i've seen stuff i've been looking a little bit over the last couple of days between sort of 15 20 quid and 50 60 quid mo- most and um yeah um <laughs> and it's it's great to experiment that way isn't it yeah I, I you know i think it's i think it's really interesting how uh you know how this uh, this thing has, has kind of come back um, you know, in terms of people love, uh, you know, film now, people love, um, vintage lenses and, you know, they're just exploring photography more. I think that's, that's wonderful. I'd love to do a bit more of it myself. Gemma bought me uh, a, a lovely, um, Christmas present actually, which was a twin lens. Um, remember the, it's, it's at home as well now. It's not a Rolleiflex, but it's a twin lens film camera. Right. Um, and it's basically a 3d film camera, but from about 1958 and, uh, I need to learn how to, how to use it. Oh, it works then. We don't know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It works. She got it from a, uh, she got it from a proper antique shop. What a very thoughtful gift. Yeah, it was lovely. Really lovely. I I I love it. I got socks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Time for, uh, well, it's not so much an interview today, is it? As, uh, as Ask Andreas. Ask Andreas, the man of the moment. Yes. Yeah. So, uh. We're lucky every six months or so to have Andreas on from Fujifilm, who's uh, a real in-himself product knowledge base, both for what's been, what's announced and what's coming. 
Now, we split this into two parts across two weeks. Uh, honestly, though, we could have probably run this for weeks and weeks. Suffice to say, we'll have Andreas back on again after this. This time, Kev did the question bit from Bunker Malmesbury, and he starts with finding out how things have been over the last uh, few months in particular, with obviously new lockdowns and uh, new challenges. Um, so professionally, lockdown, I mean, it's not without its challenges. Obviously, a lot of the things that we would have loved to have done... Um, workshops um so like events in store obviously trade events like photography show it's had a huge impact but um trying trying to be that annoying positive person obviously it's meant that we have to rethink of all the other things that, that we can do so producing content and sort of like the videos on, under sort of like a difficult circumstances um engaging more on social media a few competitions creating contents to encourage people to take more pictures score their pictures print their pictures etc so yeah professionally it's, it's been rubbish but we have to uh, move forward and work with the the cards that we're dealt as it were so um yeah i'm very proud of my team and everything that they've done over the past 10 months now i suppose yeah, I was reading this morning. It's the it's a year today. It's the one year anniversary of the first case being found in the UK. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great anniversary. Yeah, happy happy COVID day. It's very fortuitous that we've got you on the show today, Andreas, because surprise, surprise, uh, not that we set this up or anything. There was a whole raft of new Fujifilm announcements last week on the 27th, I think, Wednesday, the 27th of January 2021, for those who are listening in the future. So before, we've got a whole lot of questions to go through, but before we do that, do you just want to quickly go through those new announcements? Because there was there was quite a few of them. Yeah, I mean, starting with um, X-Series, we've got XE4, which is the latest iteration of our XE line, which is the small, compact, rangefinder-style uh, interchangeable lens camera. And we've designed it slightly differently and taken the Ethos from X100V design. So very, very clean, sharp edges, um, minimalistic on the back. So, so we're trying to, where possible, make an interchangeable lens X100V Obviously, there are <clears throat> some sacrifices that, that when, when you do that sort of thing. So it's not a, a hybrid OVF. It's not a weather-sealed construction, etc. But I think the designers in Japan have really nailed it in terms of um, the styling, the size, the shape, um, and then partnering that really, really small, compact X-series. We announced a new XF 27mm. So one of the frustrations with the previous model was the lack of an aperture ring. Um, and so we've added that. Obviously, it's meant that the focus ring is slightly um, smaller, but also we've added weather resistance like we, we have done with most of our modern um, XF lenses. And then finally on X-Series, we announced a 70 to 300 uh, zoom lens, so something that sits in between the 55 to 200 and the 100 to 400. I know you've switched off now, Kevin, because I'm talking about zoom lenses, but there is a whole load of people that love... They're very versatile, very compact zoom lenses, and, and this 7300 will be high up on their shopping list. Um, Weather-resistant construction, um, compatible with teleconverters, so for a very affordable price, you can have almost a 900. You can have a 900 millimeter equivalent lens. We didn't stop at just new products. We also announced some new firmware, which actually slipped under the radar. So X100V gets an update which allows the ND filter to be used for video as well. Um, 
adds X webcam compatibility and will um, improve the, the hybrid um, OVF EVF. XT30 has been updated to include the X webcam software and X Pro 3 has had some minor tweaks as well to the OVF EVF. And that was in summary, everything that we, we did from an X series perspective. And then just to uh, shake things up, we announced a GFX 100 S, which depending on how you look at it is either all the, the size of the GFX 50 S. So slightly smaller though, cause it doesn't have the, uh, the humpback on the back, but shrunk down. So we've either, depending on your perspective, upgraded the 50S to include a 100 megapixel sensor and the phase detection pixels and everything that goes with it and a new battery, or we've downsized the GFX100 to a smaller body with the same 100 megapixel sensor, IBIS. So whichever camp you wanna you wanna sit in, the, the 100S is, is a huge, huge deal for us. Um, should be available from March. And then we announced officially the GF 80 mil, which we um, teased about a year ago at the last X summit that we were developing. Um, and it's just a very stunning portrait lens for those people that want the, the creamiest, smoothest and all the other superlatives when we describe bokeh. Um, so um, yeah, so the, that, that, that's it. Just, just a really quiet week for us. And the other thing about the X100V firmware update, which I'm really excited about, is that you can now use the built-in teleconverter with RAW as well. So you can get a RAW and a JPEG from that, which is a very, very cool, really cool update. And that, was, uh, that, was, that came under the radar, and I, I really appreciated that. That's all for long roll stuff. And when you think about the GFX, was it four years ago, three, four years ago that they... Uh, announced the original 50s, and now look where they are with the 100s. Incredible. Four four years this month. So so while it was announced at Photokina September 2016, it actually we had our event um, 19th of January um, to announce it to to the world. Then it was available about four weeks later. So yeah, four weeks, four years rather to 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 the month that the GFX 50s came out. So. We've come a long way. Obviously, we, we had the 50S. 18 months later, we had the 50R. Just under, I think it was about 10 months later, the 100 came out. Last June, we, we announced loads of firmware updates for the 100 and the, and the 50S, basically revamping the cameras and, and as good as um, just, just giving them a, a massive update. Um, we announced Pixel Shift in November for the GFX100. So the, it, it's good to see this <coughs> new camera come along because it just reinvigorates the range and, and everyone starts talking about the GFX again and uh, sees the lenses and, and, and all of that. So, so we're really proud of what the uh, product planning team in Japan have been able to achieve in, in such a short time. Okay, let's crack on with some questions, shall we? So the first one, I'm going to say the dreaded letters H and X in a second, is from Stephen Johnson. And he says, I'm going to say the bad words, any news on a X-H2. The only reason I ask is that as much as I enjoy the X-T line, I love the bigger grips of the X-H1. And as much as the sensor on the X-H1 would be fine, I want to have the autofocus capability of the newer models. I've been looking at other brands for this reason. The XS10 isn't what I'm looking for. So I'm hoping that the bigger grip will be utilized again soon, hopefully this year. Yeah, I, I think that um, everyone wants everything as soon as they can have it. And the good thing is our management have never been shy about not, not teasing, but, but explaining about how, how things work. And that's what gives me great pride in things like the X Summit win. The actual people talking aren't aren't sort of like 
trained media personalities or anything like that. They are they are the people in charge of the product. So going back to the question in, in hand, I think it was last April or May, um, our general manager of electronic imaging at the time basically said, we will develop an XH2. So obviously that, that's not something that we've forgotten about, but we need to wait for a leap in technology to do it. Now, if you read between the lines, what that means is we need to wait for a new sensor and processor to come out. Can I give any more information about when it will come out? No. You just have the assurances from our uh, our head honcho that, that it will be coming out and it will be worked on. And I guess now that the XE4 has been announced and is coming soon, that's probably the last of the, the living cameras with the uh, fourth generation sensor. So presumably that sensor is coming to the end of its line anyway. If you think about how we build our range and things like that. Obviously, the X-T3 was the first, then we had the X-T30, X-Pro3, then the X-100V, then the X-T4 was, was probably a bit of a curveball versus traditional stance. But you you could argue that X-T4 was, came out, basically upgraded some of the stuff from X-T3 in terms of battery, shutter durability, quietness, etc. cetera, um, as, as a stopgap, maybe. But yeah, now we've got the XE4. There isn't really another product, and, and obviously the XS10 as well, which was new to our range. There aren't really any more derivations of, of fourth generation X-Trans um, and X-Trans, X-Processor 4 that we can really do. So yeah, I, I would envisage the next camera we launch with the new sensor and processor, what, what that might be, what that might be called, I do not know. Okay, Darren Lingerfeld wants to know, now you've announced the GF80 1.7 already, but he really wants to know whether the price tag will be higher than the 110 F2. And I know you've announced the prices now, but uh, anything to say on the GF80 1.7? So, yeah, so obviously we announced this on, on Wednesday 27th. Um, UK price is 2099, um, Euro price is 2299, and the US price is 2299. So not knowing where Darren is based, I think that gives this enough currencies to to hopefully uh answer that question but um yeah slightly smaller in terms of the the size it's so shorter and stubbier and slightly um cheaper than the the 110 f2 as well okay mark hall says does fujifilm possibly have any plans to uh do an updated version of the tcl wcl that could possibly make them smaller mostly speaking about the tcl i love using it but it feels so huge now the tcl and the wcl were updated to version two a few years ago weren't they yeah optically it was exactly the same we, we sort of like added the automatic um not acknowledgement the 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 fact that the camera recognized the the tcl and the wcl on it um i'll, I'll be frank in it and it's not something that, that i'm aware of um in terms of any plans to update those i would think perhaps now that the x100v can shoot raw with the built-in teleconverter might even be a little bit further down on their plans who knows don't really know who, who knows as i said uh, kevin it's not something that that i've ever been privy to in terms of update to the accessories it we probably don't discuss accessories um, as much as as we should during um, product meetings but it's never something that's cropped up and that's actually I'll be honest the first time that I've ever been asked in my five years as marketing manager 
um, whether or not there's a WCL or TCL update, even though I believe they're probably about 10 years old. Just realise for those that don't understand what the TCL and WCL is, uh, we're not talking about some random American radio station. We're talking about the wide angle conversion lens and the teleconversion lens for the X100 range. And I think also for the X70. I believe okay. some some put it on the X70, but it was never officially designed for to be used on that camera, no. Alan Brinkley says... How is the decision made when it comes to which camera models get substantial updates? The X-T3 is now on par with the X-T4 in many areas due to its recent update. So will that be the last update, regardless if any future ones were even possible? There are, very, uh, there are, there are many factors that go into deciding what fir- firmware update comes. And as it's been mentioned before, obviously development of updates is specific to each camera model. So even though things might start life with the same sensor and processor because the hardware inside might be different there are differences in the firmware so ultimately it comes down to a commercial decision um, as well as a physical time decision in terms of engineers what they have it isn't fixed as in saying right okay this product has a three-year life cycle and every year we will give it a firmware update because we all we almost don't know because as you can see what we we launched the xt3 that camera was out for about a year and then we realized actually we can add more things to it so we did with the x pro 3 then we tweaked the autofocus even more with the xt4 and then the designers have gone right okay one how many xt3s have we got out there so in terms of the loyal customer base right how long will the xt3 continue to be sold for so so that those sorts of commercial understandings about it's not just simply we can do it therefore we must do it because we need to understand that we are also a commercial enterprise that needs to sell cameras as well i begrudge people saying well they haven't done xyz because um they want to sell more of the other model it's not always as simple as that it is very very complicated when it comes to that and it's not as clear-cut as saying this is what's going to happen in every nine months it's going to get an update etc etc i think what's good to see is the fact that x100v has just got the nd filter to be used for video um that we said and that was feedback that we had from the launch why can't it be in guys go actually we, we didn't get around to doing it at the time now they then have to slot in when that firmware update would happen between development of new cameras and and other things so if you think self xt4 xs10 xe4 gfx 100s all of those cameras also had to be developed so it, it's not just as simple as a, a copy paste job um so yeah ali shadpour all he says with a big question mark at the end is x80 um yeah i'd love one as well I'll be second in the queue after Kevin. <laughs> I said the other day on the Facebook group that the the XE4 is such a minimalistic looking camera. It's it's beautiful, and I'm going to get one of them, and I'm I'm just going to bolt a 18 mil lens to it, scratch out the XE4, and just put X80 on it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, yeah, if if you do that, you 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 could probably start selling them like that. <laughs> yeah, and in all seriousness, you know, it is a little bit of a niche camera. Was a niche camera. And I think everybody probably understands the reasons why Fujifilm haven't really gone down that route now. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people forget when the X70 was launched in 2016, it didn't take the world by storm. A few people got it and understood what it was about, but obviously it was announced at the same time as X-Pro2, I believe. Yeah. And everyone was like, why are you using an old sensor and processor on? Anyway. And then we had the the huge earthquake, which decimated the supply of sensors. 
And we had to take the very, very tough decision, which cameras to prioritise. And at the time, it was decided to prioritise, I think it was X100T and X-T1s because for the first six months of its life, the X70 just wasn't a, it just didn't take the world by storm. It just wasn't a commercial success. Yeah, it did come in under the radar, released on the same day as the X-Pro2. Yeah, completely. A, a lot of people just overlooked it. Six, 600 quid or whatever it was at the time for, for a fixed lens camera with an old sensor. What are they playing at? What, what, who, who knows what they were thinking? And, and it's, I, I don't want to say cult following, but over time, people have come to appreciate more what that camera offers. Now... If we go to the, the, the money men and the accountants in, in the product planning team and say, right, okay, you know that camera that, that we developed and was a bit of a flop, can we now create a replacement for it? Because loads of people love the idea. So was it something that we, was lo- we launched before its time? Maybe. Is, is the popularity of it because people can't have it? I don't, I don't know. Okay, Spyros Christoffi says... Spiros. Okay, sorry, Spiros. Yeah, probably the worst person in the world to get that wrong with. Uh, He says, uh, number one, two questions. Can the repair center convert a camera to an infrared or monochrome on demand? And the second question is, in your experience, was there any difference in the quantity of cameras returned to the repair center from the X-T2, which was made in Japan, and the X-T3, which was made in China? The only company I can think of off the top of my head, and apologies for the others, um, if you're out there, is a company called ACS in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. They do infrared conversions, and they've done everything from X-Series all the way up to GFX cameras. But I don't know about monochrome. Okay, and the second part was, is there any perceivable difference, essentially, between the cameras that are made in Japan and the cameras that are made in China? They're, they're, both, they're both our factories. They have exactly the same quality control standards. They both use parts from different parts of the world. Um, there, there is this this made in Japan, um, this aura around this made in Japan. Um, I personally believe is a, is a bit of a old wives' tale. I think twenty years ago, uh, maybe. But which which country is your phone made in? And uh, I suppose if it's it's probably going to be China or, or one of the other Asian countries, um, definitely not Japan. Um, so so yeah, that, that's probably the consumer electronics device that we all use that probably takes the most beating in terms of constantly on and things like that. So um, yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things that I think is nice to have, not not actually makes any tangible difference. All right, and a question from Joanne McIntyre, and I think you're probably expecting this type of question. She says, is there any plans on updating new versions of the following lenses, 23 1.4, 35 1.4, and the 56 1.2? These are feeling sluggish now, and not on par in terms of speed with the weather-resisted versions. Um, fair question, um, and, and as always, when it comes to are you working on this? Can you tell us about that? It's like, it's always a nightmare because, because I can't discuss future product releases that haven't been announced already. Um, so, so it's, it's always a struggle to answer this sort of question. If I was a consumer, a professional Fujifilm fan, whatever hobbyist, whatever we, we go by nowadays, I would take great comfort in seeing the 10 to 24 recently being updated to weather resistance and dedicated aperturing the XF 27 mil being renewed, as it were. So that that's all I, I would say about that topic. While um, I, I would just take comfort knowing that 
but lenses are being renewed. Okay, right. So now the next question is from, and I'm almost definitely going to get this wrong, Abhishek Sekawat. I'm really sorry, Abhishek, if I've murdered your name, um, but very good questions. And uh, the first one, he's very excited to ask this question, uh, was about the GFX 100S, and is there any rumors about it? And of course, it's been announced now, so that's fine. But he does have a second part of the question, which is interesting. And he says, has Fujifilm opened up its lens protocols to third-party manufacturers? And if so, is Andreas aware of any brand's plans to make lenses for X or GFX mounts? So I think someone... I think someone did recently make a, a lens for the GFX system. Um, and then obviously we've had the likes of Viltrox um, announce uh, X-mount lenses. Yeah, I think that the this all stems back from a sort of like a war of words almost from from the likes of uh, uh, ourselves saying we, we feel we've got every single lens we need and we, we make them better. And then other brands going, oh, we don't have the lens protocols and stuff like that. I believe those sorts of feelings are, are being relaxed uh, internally, but we don't, we're not privy to know what products are being announced by any um, third parties. So from, if someone releases a new flash gun, we don't get told beforehand, for example, um, you almost like release the protocols and then, so be it. Someone can make something or they can just sit on them for, for months. So it's a bit of a nothing answer, but I believe that the the lens protocols are being shared with, with companies that request it, to my knowledge, but we don't know what will be announced by those third parties. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the GFX mount, uh, especially now that the uh, GFX 100S is out. And of course, that brings large format sensors to to the masses well you know i mean it's much more affordable i think we'll see a lot of people take that camera up and uh, and who knows maybe maybe third party lenses will will come to the fore i think i think what tends to happen kevin is is the camera gains a certain popularity and then you can see that from the number of adapters that are made and gfx adapters has has sort of like almost surpassed the number of x series uh, adapters available um, so, so it's always interesting to see from that side of things. And then third parties start thinking, oh, actually, seeing as the popularity of the adapters is the mount must be growing in popularity. Let's look at dedicated lenses. And, and you see people adapting other lenses that they've made for other brands first. And then they start looking at maybe dedicated because, again, you have to think commercially it's very expensive to make one lens for just one camera fit that that lens ideally needs to work across three or four different um, manufacturers and, and change that fitting our thanks to andres georgiadis as ever not just for answering your questions but for the unswerving support that he's given this show i've personally been having a, a few chats over the last uh, few months with him uh, and a couple of occasions we've had the uh, what sort of event shall we do when this is done conversation so very excited to be Looking ahead to something, something in, who knows, the not-too-distant future. And if you like your interviews, and of course that's an important part of this show too, coming up, Kev has been working on some biggies. Say no more, but watch this space, hint, hint. I spoke with Jane O'Dell, who'll be featuring soon, who's enjoyed some uh, amazing success of late with the uh, in the equine world, a fellowship at the RPS, and a wonderful story of how one of the biggest trainers one day tapped her on the shoulder and said, Do you fancy being our stables documentary photographer? And of course, uh, next week it's part two of uh, Ask Andreas. When you have finished here, and only when you've finished, 
On my other podcast, Photography Daily, today, a giant from the Seven Agency, Ed Cashy, talking about a story he actually shot 12, nearly 13 years ago. Um, a study, a very personal study of life called the Sandwich Generation. You know, I'm so, as most photojournalists and documentarians, I'm not used to looking at myself or my my own home in this case. And I cannot tell you how the riches and, and the discoveries I made that have made me not only a better person, but I believe a better photographer, a better documentarian. And on Wednesday, commercial wildlife and environmentalist photographer George Logan takes us to Africa on his important assignments with the Born Free Foundation to help save the lions from what is possible extinction by the middle of this century. There are statistics for everything, but in the early 1900s, they reckon there were half a million lions. And we're down to 20,000 now. That's over on Photography Daily this week. Kev, before we uh, get back to questions, um, the uh, the thing about the vintage lenses and the, the adapters, etc. You, um, you, you're correct. <laughs> Kev's correcting himself first. Here's yeah. A, here's a correction. It, it wasn't Miticon or whatever it was you said. No, because Miticon, of course, is a, is lens. It, the, the word I meant was Kipon. Kipon. Okay. Kipon. Kipon right. is the um, manufacturer of the adapters. Yeah. Kipon. And, and the the one I've got here, just so you know, I went up to the house and, and grabbed it for you. Uh, it's Photosy. F O T A S Y c y to fx and i've looked it up and that is well, they're not very expensive i found one here for 23 quid there we go hmm. so i also looked up the uh, the camera that Gemma bought me all right which is a, a virgin ex Exa stereo 3d film camera right okay how much is that worth not a lot not too much <laughs> well, is it worth more than socks yeah yeah okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I really, if anybody knows how to use these things, then uh, let me know. <laughs> yeah, going on a course. Right, back to your oh, book of the week coming up soon. What is the book of the week before? Uh... Oh, no, the book of the week mm. is, uh, well, the, do you know what uh, cuore velato means? It's, it's strawberry ice cream in Italiano. No. Huh? I, they won't know this, but you know exactly what it is because we just had this conversation and we've had to delete it all out because I and messed it right up. <laughs> yeah. But it means veiled the, heart. Give the secrets away. Veiled heart, yes. Well, yeah. I, but I, well I didn't want to come across as a smart aleck then. So it means veiled heart, Kev. Quere velato. Well, it's a lovely language, Italian, isn't it? Beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful language. Um, no wonder they call it the most... Uh, is it called the most romantic language in the world? I think it is, isn't it? I went to a wedding. A wedding? Do you remember those? Um, uh, two two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, uh, and uh, the speeches were in English and Italian, and I, I had to do a photo film. I had no idea, no idea what they were saying, but I was thinking I'll just leave all the Italian in. That's fine for me. Just sounds great. <laughs> uh, so that's that's book of the week. Let's get back to your questions. Um, oh yes. It was not not exactly a complaint, but you're quite correct about this. Uh, Salman Schaff, you talked about everything. Oh, yes, this is to do with last week's episode where we said creating a YouTube channel for your photography in 2021. Well, you talked about everything else, but how to create a YouTube channel for photography with smiley face. So I think there was a bit of humour in it. And, and, and you're, you're, you're quite correct, actually. Um, but I was rather hoping that the, the sort of subtle nature of the whole thing, talking about YouTube, was kind of like, was, was in, enveloped by the how to create your, your own YouTube thing. But we didn't, do a, we didn't really do a belt and braces how-to. No, we didn't. You are absolutely right. So should we, should we put that right, Kev, with, um, with, with how to get yourself a YouTube channel? It's quite a large 
I mean, it's a whole programme in itself, probably, but as, essentially, just sign up for a YouTube channel and start making films. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that is it. So get yourself a Google account, and, uh, and the, then you've got your YouTube channel. Upload your films, and away you go. Job You're such an educator. Done. I know. I like to, I like to pride myself in my workshops. <laughs> but it's quite a subject, though, isn't it? If, if you did really want to get involved in how to create a YouTube channel, that's, that's the first bit. But make, making films... Oh, I mean, that's a whole, you know. Where where would you start, Kev? Where did you st- when did do you remember making your first YouTube film? Oh yeah, I do, well I don't remember making it, but it's on there. It's about eight years ago. I stuck something up, a photo film, or I can't remember, or, or me talking about. Uh, might be in the X100S. I, I really can't remember, but it's still up there. It's got hundreds of thousands of views, and it's absolutely bloody awful. <laughs> absolutely terrible the audio is terrible i've i filmed it with my nose at the front of the go oh, it's just just revolting i can't watch it anymore um but yeah so that was uh, and, and one day i remember about two years later i remember getting this money just dropped into my bank account and i was like and it came from google i was like whoa i don't understand that where's that come from um, and then I, I figured out it, it come from from YouTube. So th- what had happened was I'd gone over the uh, the threshold for being able to earn earn money. So you do need, uh, I think you need a thousand followers um, on your YouTube channel, and you also need to have a certain amount of hours listening, which sounds like it's I can't remember the exact number, but it's something like thirty thousand hours in a year which sounds like a lot but it's not when you consider how much time people spend on youtube Thirty thousand hours is is not a lot um so you do need a couple of um parameters in order to to kind of make it a uh, money-making exercise yeah the algorithm thing changes so often doesn't it you know you, yeah. one year people are saying make long films because you want to keep people there for the for 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 the hours, and other times they say no, make them slightly shorter so that people finish the film. Because that was always the thing, wasn't it? If, you don't, if, if people don't finish the film, if they only watch maybe two, three, four minutes of it, don't finish the film. That that that's not good for you. That doesn't uh, YouTube doesn't see you as somebody who's making particularly engaging content. So, uh, you know, what 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 do you aim for? Do you aim for making shorter films now or? What, what is there? A, is there a sort of basic length that you're thinking about with your with your films? Honestly, I've given up thinking too hard about it. And um, you know, the the important thing is that you make stuff that you enjoy making. Don't make it for other people to enjoy. If you don't enjoy making it, then then there's no point. Don't force it. Uh, you know, you you'll read millions of articles about you need to you need to create a niche for yourself or a niche, as they would say across the pond. Um, you know, and and I suppose I went down that route with the Fujifilm tech stuff. And and in fairness, they are my my biggest viewed uh, videos, but. You know, I've put all kinds of stuff up there. I've recently started uh, putting old legacy films that I made years ago, just as a kind of filler. Um, I've done Q and As. I've done book reviews. I, I, it, whatever I enjoy doing, essentially, well, well, is what when, I do. When you said filler, why, why did you feel the need to put something up as a filler? Because I've got nothing new. I've got nothing. Right. Well, why I've not? Got, why not know, just leave it? Got no pictures, and well, no, that's that's probably the worst thing you can do. If you really want your YouTube channel to, you know, to, to kind of be relatively successful, you yeah. do need to to be pretty feed, proactive feed in content. Feed the machine, feed the machine. I know, but but yeah. um, I just looked it up actually to make sure the the viewing hours that you need is four thousand four thousand hours. 
I, I, I mean, I, I um, subscribe to a few channels that uh, from photographers. Um, oh, is his name Nick Rice? I think I think so. He makes these beautiful, really short videos, and uh, I think he's a he's a Fujifilm user. I'm pretty sure he is, and um, and he makes these beautiful videos. They they can be they can be about anything. Sometimes I think one of the recent ones was about um, clearing out his father's uh, workshop, and it was just so beautifully shot. Mm. Um, very very simple, very simple mar- narrative on it. I, I you know I, I suppose sometimes the simplest things you think don't take long to to edit, but they, they can do when, once you've done your grading and stuff. But I, I, I can tell that he enjoys making them. That it's mm. right up his street, and he's not trying to do anything like right. Let's do a tutorial for you because I know that's going to get me views. He's he's making stuff that he he honestly thoroughly enjoys by the looks. You mean of there's it. no slow mo making a coffee no, at the beginning? No. Uh, no, then nobody will watch it. Ah, yeah. well, yeah, it depends if you want thousands of views or. Oh, that. Does he say he's super excited by the no, video? No, he doesn't say he's super excited. He's missing out. He's, he's doing it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try and avoid the cliches. I'm super excited today. This is awesome. But the, the, go back to the point about uh, you know I, I subscribe to some some wonderful filmmakers as well. But Vimeo is really where I go for yes. my my kind of artist yeah. stuff. But the um, the point about filling the feeding the monster is relevant because. If you think about, let's just say you've got, um, I don't know, BTTV or you've got Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, and there was never anything new on there, you'd eventually stop looking, you'd stop checking, you'd stop you'd stop being interested in it. Yeah. So, and that's that's you know that's YouTube's point of view as well, which makes perfect sense to me. It's if they're going to promote people who are you know putting content out there regularly, so you know it's it's kind of uh, updating regularly. If you don't, that doesn't mean you can't be successful. I mean, I've got, I, I, I subscribe to one channel. I think the last video was about four years ago. And I still subscribe on the hope that he'll make another one one day because the, the stuff's just beautiful. And I think I, I cannot remember what it was, but I'll try and find it for the show notes. But it's it's him and his girlfriend. Uh, they just go on a trip to Venice or something like that. And it's the most wonderfully shot little film. Um, but yeah, nothing since, you know, yeah. but that's that's got like, Two and a half million views. Wow! Yeah, um, the one that I, Nick Rice. It is Nick Rice film, and I like the description. I'm a mediocre guy trying to be better than average. Fifty three videos, eight hundred twenty four subscribers, and uh, yeah, I, I really like his stuff. Yeah, um, but there we go. Is, is, there you go. Was, is yeah. that enough about uh, opening a YouTube channel? Don't forget the coffee. Coffee beans, definitely. Coffee beans, slow mos, one wheel. Uh, no, uh, you know, and, and in fairness, in all, uh, we're being we're being churlish, of course. But but the there are some amazing things on there, and you can learn a lot by looking at other other people's channels. Um, that thing about the niche or niche is is important, um, but you know you're going to be hard pushed to find a niche for yourself yeah. uh, right now. So yeah. yeah, do do what you enjoy. Look at look at what the others. Um, there's a, there's one that I, me and uh, Neil Neil and I me and Neil whatever talk about <laughs> occasionally called Ali Abdul. Oh yes, <laughs> I yes. love that name, yes, Ali yes, Abdul. Yes. yes, he's very good. Uh, he's phenomenally good. I, I mean, I, I, I think. Some people might find him a little bit annoying, but but I think his skills, his camera skills are amazing, or his his um, editing and, and production skills are brilliant. They're nothing; it's nothing fancy. It's usually him talking about his desk setup or his his uh, how he's uh, how he's read six books in a day and things like that. It's it's usually about kind yeah. of pro- pro- productivity. But the he has gone in eighteen months from zero to oh, nearly two million subscribers. Oh, amazing! He's earning and, a living from uh, that now, isn't he? Definitely. 
he's he's very good yeah very very good so you know keep an eye on, on those kind of people um yeah, matt De, matt devalia as yeah, well yeah i love his stuff um he, his he, is very very simple yeah um, minimalist minimum min, the minimalism uh, stuff that he does doesn't he he's a minimalist there is a guy have you heard of gerald undone dun, yes dun, gerald yeah. undone that one <laughs> Yeah. I just sing his jingle yeah. all day long. Very, very good. Uh, I know he is a reviewer. Okay, he reviews kit, but he does it in a really good, sort of, it's not too techy, um, which is perfect for me. Uh, he's very good. Gerald Undone, definitely would recommend mm. him if you want to come back in for the photography stuff. Right, shall we go for Book of the Week? Book of the Week. Book of the Week. Now, do you know what Cuero Veletto means? Haven't we been down this one before? <laughs> yeah, we have. Is it Italian? Okay. Is it Italian for I love butterscotch ice cream, Kev? <laughs> <laughs> this, now this is a new addition to my collection. And it it it's up there in the top five of my, my happy places to be when it comes to, oh, to photo books. Okay. Uh, no, I have to tell you where it came from because it's very, very rare. But as far as I'm aware, it's still mm, potential to get it. I, put, I got it from photobookstore.co.uk which is, um, you know, a, a place that, that has a lot of good photo books and uh, it's made by a photographer as well. Um, now, uh, Quero Velato is, uh, I'm just going to read the synopsis because it's hard to describe it. Uh, the photo book represents the synthesis of years of reflection on Oriental art and culture, culminating in a long journey to Japan on the footsteps of Shodo calligraphy discipline. Through a ruthless and independent eye, this story seeks to delve into the depths of a culture, exposing the most remote corners of things in homage to Shinto animism <laughs> that more than anything represents the key to these places. Kuro Velato has a chiasmus structure. What's chiasmus mean? Ah, I know this. Read in two directions, Kev. No, I understand. Right. Correct. Because okay. it is, it's one of those books you start at one end and, and you can start at the other end as well. Ah, okay. Uh, that chiasmus structure, I like that. I'm going to write that down. It uh, can be read in two directions, starting also from the end, as in the Japanese way. Right. It tries to discover a world to understand it using its own categories, a low profile, almost subdued. To discover this world, oh, so the, uh, the, the author is uh, Valentino Baraccini. Um, Baraccini celebrates it and at the same time questions it, but its deep core, the heart, finally remains veiled away. Uh, as far as I can tell, there's only one of these left. So get there quick, photobookstore.co.uk. Right. Um, perhaps it's available elsewhere as well. However, there's only a hundred of them in existence. Wow. So, Blimey. yes, it's one of a hundred and it's signed and it is the most delicate of things. So before you even, it comes in a nice little box and before you, you get to the book, you have this... Um, piece of rice paper it's, it's kind of uh, beautiful um, with Japanese art on it very very delicate so I'm opening that up now and inside is uh, the signature and little description from uh, Valentino himself with some prints and some fold out um, <laughs> artwork it, it, it's the most stunning thing um, it is uh, there is English translations to the to the Italian text yeah. as well yeah Tell, tell uh, me you're actually um, using white gloves while you look at it. This sounds like the sort of thing that should be in a museum, never touched. It's, it's just superb. And, and the photography is, um, you know, it, of course, it's all, all things Japanese. So it, it, it ranges from uh, photos of flowers to uh, Shinto warriors to uh, calligraphy to, to even to telegraph poles, that kind of stuff. Beautifully, fil uh, beautifully photographed. Uh, and that's just in the little um, sheathed up uh, 
pamphlet that comes with it. Now, the book itself is uh, A5 softback, but nice and heavy, and it has this uh, has this lovely mirrored um, cover, uh, both ends, both sides, because, as you said, you can start from the front to back. So I'm looking at the front of the book now, but actually I'm looking at myself. <laughs> it's a reflection, oh, wow. uh, which is very interesting. And and inside, inside the book, you can – I'm turning to a particular page now. Very difficult. I'm being very careful. And there's another little folder, beautiful, beautiful black and white with all of the film scratches and everything like that. Are they um, presumably a fisherman on the on the coast? Um, I'm folding that back up because it's very delicate. And then all of the page. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to describe this book. And I always find a challenge when I'm talking about the the photography books. Um, but it's uh, you know it's one of those ones where the the photography is beyond photography. It's the whole collection the book itself is an art piece it's it's not just a series of pictures you can't just look at one picture and think oh that's beautiful because they are of course but you look at the way that the, some of the images are torn you look at the way they fold out you look at the the flow of the book and the structure of it and the feel of it and the smell of it and everything about this book is just beautiful how did you know about this book how do i know about this book I stumbled across it. Um, now, I don't know where. I did buy two books um, at the same time. So maybe I was looking for the other one and found this one. Um, so, no, I don't. I honestly don't know. It's not somebody I'd ever come across It's very before. specialist. It is a very specialist book. Uh, not, not overly expensive, though. Um, it's uh, three figures. <laughs> oh, God. Kev, horse. I'm in enough trouble with the with the with the horse. Horses, so. three three figure um, books that you're buying. Um, <laughs> you've never had it so good. Uh, well, this you see, this is what Gemma did to me when when we were talking about the horse. She was like, "You can't talk to me about a horse. How many books have you bought? You keep going on the Fuji cast about how many books you bought and your extra 100 V and all this and all that." Blah blah. <laughs> she does. Have and a she's point. right. Yeah. She's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Fairness to her. You got rid of the chickens, all right, though. <laughs> Yeah, they went, but you just chickens went. the horses. Well, chickens, bit... chickens never existed. So anyway, but the book, the book itself, honestly, is as I said, it's it's more than a book. It's absolutely beautiful. I'm still not uh, sure that we we've discussed any of the pictures within it. Correct. Um, and I believe looking at my looking at the little information I have on the front, the little book, the, the little piece of paper. Uh, it says um, it's got the signature. It's got a whole load of Italian text, and it's got the signature. And then it says copier number, and then uh, one. So I've got number one over one hundred. Oh, word, Kev. Very interesting. And it's signed, <laughs> I unless it's the seven. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Lucky number, of course. And in, in, in I think that's one. Italy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. So, like, really beautiful. It's not. Um, yeah, and the pictures I can't. Uh, you know, uh, the pictures themselves. As I as I kind of delve in, you end up seeing uh, some really. Some of them are really faded. It, it's not all black and white. What are they of, Kev? What are the pictures of? That's what. Well, <laughs> it's it's, it's essentially of Japan. Right. Um, okay. You know, Japanese culture, Japanese structures. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of very traditional Japanese architecture in there. But then, for example, there's some um, kind of tear sheets from a, a waterfall that he's, he's taken. And this is at uh, Fukuroda, uh, which obviously is in Japan. Um, and then there's the, the big trees at Mat Matsushima. I'm very sure I went there when I went to Japan. Uh, and, you know, there's beaches and rocks. And, and, and it's, it's what I love about it is that there's no, I mean, there's great, get, there's great care and attention given to the book. 
but actually the photos are clearly um, you know chosen for a reason but they they they've not been retouched within an inch of their lives you know you've got the scratches you've got the plates uh, you've got in some cases the reproduction of the uh, of the photograph is 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 ripped in half you know mm. so it, where the copy has come from so right. um, you know it's 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 really wonderful and and like I says it starts you can start both ends which is is very traditionally Japanese um, Kuro Velato Valentino Barici yeah. 2018 to 2019. Wonderful. Blimey. Okay. And, and Kev uh, thinks there's only one left in the world. You better snap it up quick. Well, according to Photo Bookstore, there's only one left. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, and, yeah. And you've got a sign. Well, they're all signed probably, aren't they're they? All, I think they're all signed. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a run of 100. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I presume they're all, they're all signed. So I'm just going to put my, uh, my rice paper pamphlet back here i'm refusing to call it a zine well while you're while you're spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on uh, on on books and thousands more on horses um, yet to come i did pick up a book myself this week from a friend of the show um sean tucker collection four ah yeah which, i saw that was out which is now out um and and it, it's um and actually a lot of the quotes in here well there's there's always quotes and pictures that's what you get with philosophical sean isn't it so so in here for example you don't have to be paid to take photographs in order to call yourself a photographer by definition if you take photographs you're already a legitimate photographer one of the things i've grown to love about sean's work and particularly his collection books which are essentially i suppose his wanderings each day main, mainly in london i think is that you're uh, that you that you have this sort of well curated observation of life which sort of removes this notion that your pictures have to be somehow uh, overtly, I don't know, Kev, overtly clever or or overly humorous. The, these are pictures that by themselves, um, as we say, w- wouldn't always win awards, but as a collective observation, they really show you how the, the photographer sees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're, I mean, I've got, I think I've got collection two. That was the only one I managed to get. Yeah. Um, and it is brilliant. I love the design of his books as well. I think there's yeah. still a few left. He is bringing out a book, by the way, uh, more in uh, more in tune with his philosophical thoughts about stuff and life, which will be really interesting. So uh, that's, that's coming out um, atop at some stage. Right, back to your questions. Um, Adrian Muscat. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kev. Hope you're both well. I'm very new to the world of documentary wedding photography and was fortunate enough to recently land my first clients. Uh, Their wedding is March 2021. Now, he's in Canberra in Australia, so it will be going ahead. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so uh, if it was March 2021 here, I'm doing the the, the breathing in uh, but not breathing out like car mechanics do. It it probably wouldn't be happening, would it? Well, (laughs) I don't know. Who, Who knows? Who knows? Uh, and so I have planned to meet with them in the next week to go over the details of the wedding shoot. I'm sure you've both gone through the process of discussing the wedding shoot with clients, so I was wondering if you have any advice or specific questions that I should be asking them. Uh, yeah, well, so you don't do a lot of meetings before your, before the day, do you, because of the way that you work, that it doesn't require you to, it probably requires you to have a Skype meeting or Zoom meeting where you need to turn up you know, at a time, and you know when the service is taking part, and when the dinner's being served, maybe when the first dance is due to to happen. But apart from that, though, you you you, you I mean, you don't need a lot of more information, do you? I, I very rarely see the clients before the wedding. Very rarely, and that includes um, Skype and Zoom and all that kind of stuff. Although I suppose that change in the future. Um, yeah, very rarely, and it's not 
I, I just don't really put it in front of them. I don't, I don't kind of use the language such as, mm. you know, we must get together, we must chat about the wedding and everything because I just don't, personally for me, it's not important. So it doesn't matter uh, what they look like, how they behave, whatever. I'm just going to take pictures of what happens. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my take on it. And also those meetings and everything can take time and you know if you're if you're uh, anal like me you you know I, I would add that to my bottom line and look at how much money per hour i'm making on the job yeah. Well, so I, yeah it's I, all that i do do um, meetings but um they used to be face to face here you're right actually a face to face meeting where somebody comes to see you before a wedding day when essentially you're doing sort of a, a documentary style gig is not really necessary so uh um, but 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 if they do come here and they're very welcome to what i, I like to turn it into is is an, uh, an, an opportunity to look at books and upsell so i know that sounds a bit cold and a bit commercial but but i'm kind of along the same lines as you here kev time is money and uh, really on the day we're there to show them their day not necessarily be the ringmaster for their day so it's a very different style of shoot but if you are going to be doing uh, things like family shots and this is a reason why I, I do chat to people beforehand because i do a lot more family shots i know than you do kev i like to know i like to i like to have that bit organized so you know uh, go through who we're going to photograph and and why so we don't end up doing you know second cousins mm. removed for a shot or everybody starting with a letter t so i try and so that's a good that's a good opportunity to short uh, to sh- um, short circuit that if if we're going to get onto this well uh, you know we've got this many shots and it looks like it's going to take 50 minutes to an hour and a half then that's that's the time to say oh wait a minute do you want to be eating uh, do you want to be eating your expensive canapes that you bought or do you want to be standing in a line so that's a good opportunity that's a good opportunity some people of course like to use the meeting because you want to do a, a pre-wedding shoot um yep. so that can be a good idea and if you're using if you're using shots from pre-wedding shoot try and you know if if, if you can um use one of those shots put it in a frame and have people sign it that can be a nice product in itself actually i used to do that a lot so with, with i don't do pre-wedding shoots these days but uh, when i did i'd always make sure that i had uh, a shot in a frame or in a mount rather large mount that people could sign because that became a guess what product so th- that's why i think you can use these uh, these pre-wedding meetings um they're the sort of things you should you could use them for yeah or you um, could watch netflix oh the customer experience with kev (laughs) Uh, Uh, no you're you're dead right and of course you know on the on for the clients that do want to meet me and some of them do make sure i'm not you know like a serial killer or something then then of course i will um but generally i don't okay uh right i think we've got time we have got time for one more from the facebook group remember to be sending your questions into the facebook group because as kev says um they're dwindling a bit in there. It's nice. Uh, the email ones are going well, so keep sending those in too to click at fujicast.co.uk. But we've got time for a, a, a QQ from, from yeah, Facebook? I think so. So this one's from uh, Chris J. Guy. Well, no, that's a cool name as well, isn't it? Chris J. Guy. Yeah. Uh, he's from Australia. And he says, uh, following on from another thread in the Facebook group, he shot a wedding with an X100F on the weekend. Uh, there's another Australian shooting weddings. Look, actually, I'm not going to answer his questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm too jealous. Um, and he goes on to say, normally he's got two XT3s, but he decided to do it with just the X100, uh, X100F, in fact. Uh, and he loved it, the size, the you know simplicity, all that kind of stuff was great. Um, but then he says, in saying that, shooting with only one card slot scared the shit out of me. I bet it did. Yeah. Uh, I can just imagine that in an Australian accent. Uh, is it okay for professional wedding photographers to only use a single card slot? Uh, this was obviously standard practice 10 years ago. Uh, I'd love to permanently switch my wedding setup to an X100 next T356. Peace out, man. Yeah. Well, do you, do you know what? Yes, you can shoot it with, with a single card. I'd be very inclined, if you are shooting with single card, to be um, uh, to be rotating those cards, um, you know, uh, putting new ones in quite often. Um, that that's the only thing I would say. When I when I shot weddings with single cards, these cards will be changing all day long. I'm backing them up um, whenever I could as well. And that was quite handy actually, having having assistant in those days, um, because that would be their job to make sure that the the cards are okay. Everybody's you know it's reading okay. It's not gone corrupt. Touch wood. I didn't have that situation. Now, the only problem you can have with uh, keeping, uh, not having a backup card in the camera is what happened to uh, to a second shooter of mine a couple of years ago that we have um, talked about, who had her card wallet stolen, and she was on a single card camera, which meant she had nothing from the day at all. Mm. So that 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 is a consideration. Security of your cards. Never, 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 ever, never. Uh, have your card wallet somewhere else but on your person stick it down your pants if you need to but it needs to be on your person yeah absolutely totally agree with that um the the thing about i've shot several weddings with just a pair of x100s uh, and it's very liberating it's beautiful however i know i now know that uh, a lot of the insurance companies and let me say this now if anybody is shooting weddings for a client professionally they're paying you yeah you absolutely have to have insurance if you do not have insurance then get out of the industry um <laughs> but yeah, that's very like a lot of the, of the insurance yeah. companies yeah. these days do insist you use yeah. uh, cards with uh, redu- cameras with redundancy built in they do you're right so just just check your policies there um but yeah it's uh, it's fun I, I i yeah love it i would i would do it too an x100 to two card slots now there's a thing watch this space I like the pregnant pause there Kev (laughs) anyway I say nothing I say nothing that's it for this week Uh, if you've liked uh, this or any of the week's shows thank you if you can of course and you feel it's relevant uh, we'd love for you to leave a review Um, if you can share the episode on Twitter or Facebook you are an absolute star and uh, let us know where you're sharing too because we'd like to give those platforms a shout out see in the Facebook group for any questions that you have about today's show play nice of course we haven't mentioned them for a little while but our mods Steve and Pete uh, they're in there well they're not when I say mods they're moderators not mods as in wearing parka jackets and riding on Italian Vespers although they might I don't know Um, please be sure if you're posting pictures to give a little context to why you've popped them up and uh, send your questions in as always to click at fujicast.co.uk if you want to buy the book of the week tough it's probably already gone (laughs) I don't know oh and also give us money on Patreon (laughs) Kevin look we really must talk about the way that you approach this thing you make people feel special then you ask for the money (laughs) 
<laughs> but there we go. Love you all. Love you all. Love you all. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Music from Blue Wednesday. Supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. We will see you next week. Cap in hand. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.